Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode three of season five of This Osteopathic Life. I actually recorded an episode last week and I sat with it and it didn't feel like the episode to be released. And trusting myself and my instincts has been a work in progress in evolving practice over many years, and maybe more acutely so in this past year particularly. This podcast is shared to the general public, to those who follow it. It's widely available, and I don't generally edit them. As I've shared with you, I'll record them and put them out. Every so often, there'll be a little snippet that I'll want to pull back, or maybe in a conversation episode, a guest will want to shift or change or modify or omit a portion of the conversation, but even that is quite rare. And I will say, more so, over the last six months, I have probably recorded episodes that exist simply as a recording on my phone. And allowing for that, allowing space for that, and allowing the sense of not needing to push it, pressure it, urge it, force out the publication of something really is part of a growth edge. I've had two ideas for a podcast since that time when I thought, what was I talking about in there (laughs) and what would I like to be bringing forward? What is asking to be shared? And two different themes emerged and we'll see how they play out today. They might both appear in this space depending on time. I try to keep them to a a relatively consistent time frame. They might be two episodes. One may never emerge and we might talk about something entirely different here today. Trusting the process and the progress. So I'll start with the first one that has really spoken to me lately. And I will say again, this last year, and maybe this has happened for you as well. I say last year, and many times it means like three years ago. (laughs) Everything in this pandemic era feels a little bit time warped. It seems like it was so long ago or was just a minute ago. And it really is a little mind-boggling to think that we are three years on from where we began in those March of 2020 shutdowns. And the concept, the word, the experience that has come forward for me is this idea of nothing. And when I say that, all these pop culture references come through. I think about Seinfeld in the show about nothing and the conversation in office space where it's, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? Nothing, right? (laughs) And the follow-up line, if you're familiar, right, you might know that you don't require a million dollars to do nothing. And thinking about definitions of nothing, as you might come to expect here, we'll explore those specific actual ones from dictionary sources. The connotations, our own definitions that we grant to nothing, but really more so the feelings, right? The energy that we give to that word or that it feels in our body. And then what it can mean. And I think about the juxtaposition of nothing, no thing, to the title, the subtext of this podcast, of the concept of this osteopathic life for the health of all things and how they might actually coexist, complement, and support one another. 
take a minute and always, if it's available to you, if you're not driving or walking or in a bicycling space where you might not be able to safely close your eyes. Think about that word, nothing. What comes up for you? What do you see? What do you feel? What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you taste? You might say nothing, right? The whole point was nothing. But recognize that even the experience of nothing has energy within it, around it, through it. So you might see black, right? If your eyes are shut. But even there, right? The light emanating from the space around you is illuminating it in a way. You might hear nothing. But if you allow yourself to pause to do nothing, you actually hear more. I can hear the sound of the cars outside my home. I can hear the humming of the refrigerator in the room adjacent to me. I can hear my own breathing. What do you feel? Does it feel empty? Or is there actually fullness there? In that pause, in that space of doing nothing, notice how it actually fills up. And it might feel whole. It might feel vibrant. What do you taste? And even there, if I'm not paying attention, if I'm doing something, I might not taste much. I'm going to be aware that there are different sensations and flavors happening in my mouth. If I am doing something, I may not smell the smells. Recognize, oh, that's a different soap or lotion or cleaner, whatever might be happening in the space around me. So checking in with the experience of nothing and how so frequently, and yes, I'm filling up this space with words, <laughs> which feels so inappropriate as a <clears throat> podcast of silence, although we could run that experiment, might not be <clears throat> excuse me, what we're looking for here. And so allowing for this space, notice that nothing invites in observation and awareness and presence which is so full and so vibrant and really can't exist in the same way if we are in a something space. And certainly not if we're in an everything space and certainly not if we're in an anything space grasping for filling it because we are so uncomfortable and unfamiliar with nothing. So if you close your eyes, feel free to continue or to open them. And I notice when I say nothing My body is feeling and seeing and experiencing stillness. And that is a space that is relatively unfamiliar to me. However, what is so interesting is when I invite myself to consider, when am I still? When am I doing nothing? My default, my reactive response is to say, never. I'm always doing something. I'm always moving. And then if I pause and I let myself look at what I have been doing, I can say, oh, actually, stillness happened here today, and it happened here last week, and it happens here on a regular basis. And thinking about nothing and noticing that culturally, as a society, we have decided that nothing is terrible, right? If you're doing nothing, if you're earning nothing, if you're being nothing, what is your worth and your value? And in coaching, we talk about worthiness as inherent as complete, as immutable. And that would indicate that nothing is required for us to be worthy. 
And isn't that interesting? Because it means nothing is required. You don't have to do anything to earn worthiness. But also, if we flip that and have a play on words, nothing is required to be worthy. And again, think of it again. Nothing is required. So nothing is required. And what if it means that actually, right, nothing is a prerequisite to be able to be with nothing and do nothing is part of our worthiness. Now, I'll get a challenge and say that you're saying now that then there is a prereq <laughs> for worthiness. And perhaps that was a misnomer. But work with me on this example. Stopping for a moment to say, you know, actually, truly, to be with and to know and experience and welcome and own my worthiness, really, right? There is this invitation. I really want to say obligation, <laughs> but that feels like it counterposes the inherent immutability of our worthiness. But I'm just going to go with it. That it requires us to be able to be nothing, to do nothing, to earn nothing, to prove nothing. And that is the space where true worthiness can emerge. Let's go through the definitions here. And as you might expect, the first one is not anything, <laughs> no thing. <laughs> okay, right? So nothing is, is nothing. It's no thing, no part. Now this next one is where we begin to put that connotation in the judgment on it. One of no interest, value, or consequence. Oof, right? Feel that. No interest, no value, no consequence. Consider, right, that nothing just means no thing. Simple as that. That can be the fact of it. And I would offer, even though it is listed as a definition here, the one of no interest, value, or consequence is more like the thought about it. And in our lives, there are facts and there are stories, and both have their place. Stories are so important. They are the depth and thread and juice the beauty of humanity. And they can hold a lot of weight, a lot of power. They can inform our reality in different ways. They are changeable. And that doesn't mean we change the facts of life. It means we can shift the narrative about the facts of life. So recognizing that when nothing can be a simple concept of not a thing, It can also then invite us to place on it this judgment, this pressure, this critique of no value here. It's worth nothing. And I've offered to you that worthiness invites and requires nothing. It offers us the space to say, you do not have to win a race or earn this great or have this many friends or that much money in order to be worthy. You simply are. And nothing is actually a great medium, a beautiful canvas to paint worthiness. Nothing means not at all. Nothing can mean something that does not exist or the absence of all magnitude or quantity. And even there, look at the nuance of those words. I say look at, listen to. (laughs) I'm reading them off of a screen here. The absence of all magnitude, that can feel value-based, right? And it can also be quantity. That one simply means there aren't any of them, right? There are no apples. <laughs> There's nothing on this table. It is an open surface. 
Again, we move into someone or something of no or slight value or size. They're a nothing. Think about that. Think about when you've said that. Think about when you've heard that and what it means and how it feels and the impact that it has, what it leads you to do, how it encourages you to behave or discourages you from behaving. Words have power. And check in with the words that you say and the meaning you're putting behind them. What energy are you infusing into these words? And nothing is a light, playful, or frivolous remark. And I have to just share with you, I have had a major reckoning with the word playful because it has been utilized in my life so many times as a flippant way to change the script when an insult has just been delivered, when a critique, and not a critique in the way of a buildup, right? A harsh critique has been offered when mockery has been given and when it is called out as not being appropriate or being insulting or being demeaning or damaging. The response of, oh, just playing, just being playful. And as you might imagine, when those are partnered up, Anytime you hear that word, (laughs) you know, I've heard it in context of really meaning as being playful, like we were playing a game or, you know, telling a joke that wasn't oriented in criticism. I've had to really undo those. And so when I see this, a light, playful or frivolous remark, and I think about it in the context of a nothing, interesting, because it didn't feel like a nothing to me when those were delivered and to begin to recognize how we can use nothing, right? to cover up and not be accountable or take responsibility for things that aren't appropriate or fair or kind. So check in with how we might use and misuse words of no account, worthless. There it is in writing from Merriam-Webster, the source. And so it's there. You know, it's part of that definition. It's in the colloquialisms. It is in the way that we hear the word, use the word, experience the word. So we can be aware of that. We don't necessarily have to go on a mission to change the understanding and the use of the word nothing. We can, however, be aware of how it is utilized, what it can mean, the depth that it holds, and check in for what We would like nothing to be in our lives. And how actually nothing can be a fruitful space. And nothing begins to use synonymously with a pause. And I notice here, right, some of the synonyms are never, no, none, no way, no ways. I don't know if I've ever said that. In the nouns, this one, oh, it's cute, half pint, which brings back some little house memories. Lightweight, non-entity, nobody, morsel, snipper snapper. <laughs> Never been in the um, synonym section. Pygmy, twerp, zilch, shrimp, whippersnapper. So nothing is really holding this space of minimalist, minimizing, shrinking down. And that is okay. And my use of it in a space with a pause, right? This opportunity to be and to breathe might not be correct. It might not have a space in the dictionary, but we're offering it up conceptually here. 
and thinking about if someone asks you, what did you do today? And you say, oh, nothing. How many times that actually means that you did nothing? And what would it actually mean to truly do nothing? Can you even? Okay, because if you're living, you're breathing. And as we have talked about yoga in different episodes, it really is the only requirement of yoga is to breathe. Not even to breathe with movement, but to breathe. You could lie on your mat, unmoving, and breathe. So we could say that you're doing nothing, right? From the external visibility perspective, if we really tuned in, we could probably see the rise and the fall of your chest. But in general, you'd be lying there. You wouldn't be moving, wouldn't be participating in any poses. So it could look like nothing. But we could challenge that breathing is probably the most important thing, right, that we're doing. And we're always doing it. So even pausing there for a moment and say, well, can I actually do nothing? And if the answer is no, you think, well, why are we even talking about this here today? (laughs) But we can notice how much we discredit what we're doing. Because not only are you breathing, right, you are circulating and your brain is working, you're metabolizing. So many functions are happening in your body all the time. And so you can't say to someone, I did nothing today. So let's just put that out there. You are always doing, being, breathing. And also, you can remove some of those layers of the busy aspects of doing something. And how many times might you have said, I didn't do anything today or I did nothing today. And then you pause and you look and you say, well, actually, you got out of bed, you brushed your teeth, you made some food, got your kids to school, you went to work, completed these tasks, whatever that might be. And because much like those systems and physiologic functions happening in our body, they are so routine, relatively automatic for us, they're expected, we feel like they're just a natural part of our day, we don't even see them as things. We give them no acknowledgement. And now we have juxtaposed nothing and overlapped it with a lot of things. And that's confusing. And thinking about the time you say, oh, I wish I could just do nothing today. And notice why. Notice the cost of the busyness and the activity. And that sometimes a pause really is welcome. And notice it feels unavailable because the task lists seem so daunting. The levels of responsibility and the contracts to which you are beholden feel so big. And also, that nothing might actually be the way to get you there. And the nothing might last a minute. Right? One minute meditations often show up on my This Osteopathic Life Instagram profile, perhaps hopefully more so again, taking some pauses from what I've shared publicly, leaning back into those spaces. Maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a day, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a year, right? Different levels of sabbatical that can seem impossible, but also might be so necessary. Thinking about when you are doing nothing, and again, we're allowing ourselves to be breathing and (laughs) circulating blood and metabolizing in our bodies as part of the nothing. But let's say you stayed in bed. Maybe you watched shows, maybe you slept, whatever that might be. And even there, right? Sleep is definitely not a nothing. And all credit to my colleagues who have spoken, right? Dr. Funky Afalabi Brown, who tells us that sleep is the biggest something that we need and we can do for ourselves. But we often put it into that category. If we did a nothing day, sleep, rest, lying down would be part of it. And then notice how much 
energy that can bring to you. So thinking about, well, I did nothing. And I cultivated right all of this new energy in my body, in my heart, in my mind. If you get clarity from that experience. The other day, a couple days ago, I was so tired and I had a headache and I don't often get headaches and it was relatively severe and I don't rank it in accordance to anyone else's experience of a headache, but it was not great. And it had been a busy weekend on lots of different levels and I was tired physically, tired emotionally. And I was looking at running. I'm on this 10K a day in May for the maybe third time, fourth time I have to look up. I think fourth, maybe it started in 2020 and this is 2020, 21, 22, 23, right? It's the fourth season of it. And Sunday is run day. This is a taper week, you know, leading up to a half marathon that's pending. And I wanted to move. I really did. But I wasn't sure how a headache would fare, like how I would feel running with a headache. It seemed like it would make it worse. That was my assessment. So I offered myself some self-treatment, manual treatment to my neck and to my head. I felt a little better. My kids actually said, yeah, I think, go run. I think you'll feel better. <laughs> and so I offered to myself, begin the run. You can always walk. You can always come back home. See how you feel. And I started and actually felt better during the run, which is on some levels encouraging to me from a physiologic assessment perspective, right? Because we have headaches, we go into all these places. And by we, I mean me, <laughs> maybe you, on um, what it could mean. And I completed the run. It wasn't the best run, but I actually did feel better. It was quite lovely weather. I didn't really listen to anything because, again, I didn't want to take in any more input. I just was with the run. Slower than perhaps I'd hoped, but thinking about, well, if it's taper week, you're really not supposed to push the intensity of the effort. And that even feels like a misnomer. I can't, I don't know, taper is not my thing. <laughs> I just keep training. And then one day that training happens to be a race. That's really how my life has been for many years. And we can unpack that on a metaphorical level. So I went on this run, came back, and the headache returned. So again, I was encouraged that I was able to complete the run, check the box of the 10K. And again, this is a self-imposed challenge, but it felt good to complete it and to be part of the Sunday run day experience of my life. And hydrated, had some food. And I said, you know, I think I just need to go to sleep. And if you know me, <laughs> you know, it's not a common phrase or experience. And I got a few other things done, right? I did do some things that's impertinent. You know, talked to my kids, help them get to bed. So it wasn't like it was four o'clock in the afternoon, but it could have been, right? That is okay. That is appropriate if that is the nothing that you need. And when I would have normally done a bunch of other tasks or again, found myself on social media, different spaces, I went to sleep. And I woke up at midnight, <laughs> wide awake, buddy the elf style, like, oh, I got a full 40 minutes, right? And it was, it was longer than that, but it was a shorter interval. My body was like, oh, we're good now. And I thought, oh, okay, well, sleep is cool. And that was great. And I do feel better. And I don't need to be awake at midnight. And there are times I might have woken up, recorded a podcast episode, done a task, tidied something, you know, moved. And I thought, no, right, this is still the opportunity. This is the carved out space of nothing besides sleep. And notice you can use it that way. Nothing except because again, if we're always doing something in the way of breathing, so I'm doing nothing besides breathing. Do nothing besides breathing and sleeping. And do nothing besides breathing and lying down, right? So we can allow for that nothing to have some baseline requirements within it. But overall, it's a boundary. It is blocking out the tasks and the doing and the responsiveness and even the reading or the social media or the work tasks, right? It's 
creating this sacred safe space. And I will tell you, I did wake up around five in the morning, which is a relatively usual time for me. And I sat up and I thought, wow, sleep is amazing. (laughs) And sleep and also doing nothing. And I would say the nothing that was the most powerful in that space was not thinking. Right? We can even put that in there. We could make space. We could put the NOTH and we can open it up. You know, like thinking really fits in there. No thinking, right? Like you could put it in the midst of nothing. And maybe I'll make a little graphic for that. Because my brain is always busy. It is looking for all the possibilities. It's running all the different scenarios. It's preparing to keep people safe and for what the next step might be and evolutions of work and creativity and all of that. And I love it. I super appreciate it, right? Thinking might be my favorite. (laughs) And I can also reach points. And it is just too much. And I need a pause. And my head hurts, right? And our body is the messenger. And while I could look at fatigue and hydration and nutrition and all those different pieces, I really honestly think it was out thunk. (laughs) It needed there to be nothing that it had to analyze or plan for or anticipate. As a parent, that's next to impossible, right? You're charged with the gift and the opportunity and the obligation of keeping these people alive, well, happy, and even there. Again, put put pins in these for future episodes. And it needs space and time to integrate. So I'll pull in here part of what I shared on the episode that didn't make it to the air, but the piece I think that really did stick and did resonate was this idea of that nothing, that sabbatical, that time in between, that integration, the transition. We've talked about triathlon in the past, right? And how those transitions are key parts. And you could work out like crazy and train and drop time on your run or your swim or your bike and completely lose it all through a slow transition. And notice that gives you the sense of, oh, I got to keep rushing and keep moving. But it really means being smooth and efficient and aware and thoughtful, excuse me, with your movements in transition. If you try to rush it, it's like trying to put on a sports bra when you're a little bit wet. You know, I, I swim at the beach and I will always transition. I don't like to leave in wet clothing. And there might be nothing harder <laughs> than putting a sports bra on a wet body, right? i almost certain I'm going to dislocate a shoulder, knock on wood. Thankfully, I haven't so far, but it feels that way a lot of the times. But the smoothness and the focus of it and the space of it. So what do the transitions look like in our lives? And this is a season of graduation that's happening, right? We're recording this near the end of May and we have high school and college graduations. We also have kindergarten and fifth grade and eighth grade and all of those, which are very beautiful. And notice that time, and I think particularly of the time you come home from that first year of college. That's a big shift, right? You have left this familiar, safe, relatively monitored space to a pretty open, free reign. And then you come back. And that is, if you return home during the you know, summers of your college years, you return to somewhere, usually. And then how do you reintegrate? And there can be this sense of, I got to be busy. I need a job. I need to do this. And yes, you can look at financial requirements and the tasks that are available and needed from you? And also, can you allow some space to integrate, to see what just happened, where you've been, how that whole year evolved, where are you now, where are you headed, how can you set yourself up for success in the next year, and let nothing be a part of that. And again, whether it's an hour, a day, a week, whatever is available to you, 
carving it out and being very intentional and purposeful saying, I didn't do anything today. I did nothing today. And following that up with great job. (laughs) That was exactly what this day, this week was for. And actually, if you did something, you were in violation, right? (laughs) You can penalize yourself for not doing nothing. Thinking about that, you know, in times of maternity leave and now there, there's really not a lot of nothing that's happening because you're caring for this human and hopefully there's some time and space for you to rest and recover. Thinking about that in the spaces in medical education, training, and practice, it's endless transitions. And are there ever any pauses? And how many times do we graduate one day and arrive the next, right, as residency and then faculty with no space between? And that nothing is really one of the most potent spaces we can experience. And I think about nothing if we come into, right, back to that reference of lying on the mat in yoga. And at the end of essentially every yoga practice, there are some styles that are a little bit different, but majority bring you into Shavasana, right? The resting pose, corpse pose. Isn't that interesting? And that I would challenge, maybe invite us to notice, right? The corpse pose, we're no longer even breathing if we're a corpse. And maybe it's inviting us to say, right, you really, and the breath is really meant to get less and lighter and less frequent because we're not tasking ourselves with oxygen consumption as it really is. You might almost not see the breath if you're truly in this very restful Shavasana. And it's at the end of the practice, purposefully so, to allow you to integrate all that work you did. So the nothing actually makes all the somethings mean more, integrate on a higher level, produce what it is they are meant to in training, right? And I'm talking about this tapering week, (laughs) which can include nothing. There can be complete rest days. There can be gentle runs that are part of it. And noticing that that is how you make the work meaningful. So let your nothing make more meaning of the somethings. And I hesitate to task nothing with a role, but we often do need to excuse or to justify, and we could come out of that again. List of episodes. I'm going to come and listen back through this, (laughs) and it's going to tell us where we're going to go over the next few weeks. But the nothing, again, is really, I would almost charge a requirement for your work to take hold, for what you've done to be seen, for your breath to get the full credit it deserves, for the reflection and the perspective to allow you to see what has actually happened, and for your worthiness to truly and honestly be seen as complete in and of itself. So in this time and on these days, and I say this, of course, as much to me as to any of you, Do nothing and honor it, love it, embrace it, support it. Notice when you judge it. Don't judge that you judge it. Recognize it and let it go. And see how nothing can be everything that it's not required to be. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.